Welcome to Ambitious Motherhood, the podcast for the mom who is chasing after her dreams in motherhood and business. This is your permission slip to pursue all that you were created to be and live out your calling both in and out of your home. Here's your host, Katie Fleming. Hey guys, on today's podcast, we have Katie Farrow. Katie is a CPA and fellow entrepreneur. She is a passionate supporter of female small business owners and wants to see women succeed in all areas of their businesses. Yes, even the numbers side. Katie has helped many female entrepreneurs find confidence and clarity as business owners and take the fear and mystery out of taxes and record keeping. She breaks down seemingly complicated concepts and provides quick and easy to implement tips that make organizing simple, which saves you time and money. Katie is a mom to two toddlers, a 14-month-old girl, and a boy who will be three in January. When her business hat is off, she can be caught juggling her kids at local parks. Guys, I'm excited to dive into this topic today because bookkeeping and keeping your finances in order does not have to be hard, and we're going to dive into why you should begin treating your business today like a business and not a side hustle or a hobby. Let's dive in. Hey, Katie, I'm so excited to have another Katie on the show. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, I've got my kids napping. You've got your dogs locked up, and we're going to get this thing done. <laughs> Let's do it. My kids are at my mother-in-law's. Nice, nice. I love it. Do you, How many days do you have like a routine of when they're away? So normally, I have a babysitter who comes here twice a week for four hours, and it's a tremendous help, but for last week and this week, she's with her other family because that mom had surgery. Ooh, the other family. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> well, I love it. So everybody heard your, your bio in the intro, but share with us a little bit more about you and your journey and how you got started. Well, so I'm just digging into this online space. I've been working on an idea for most of 2018 to educate and empower female entrepreneurs to understand and organize the number side of their business. And that decision to work towards educating and away from one-on-one -on -one services was sparked when my sister started selling for Rodan and Fields. Mm -hmm. She was always an employee before, says that she's not good at math. Her brain just doesn't really function that way. And I started thinking, I wonder how she's going to handle this. And since she got started in the beginning of the year, I wanted to make sure that she took steps to make everything simple because she would have a whole year's worth of stuff to figure out. And that's when I realized so many people need this information. And that is when my journey online started. Mm. I love that. And I love that you kind of adopt or wanted for her to begin as she meant to go. You know, I, I think a lot like with parenting, like my kids sleep, you and I were talking about this, actually, my kids sleep the way they do, because I started that when they were really, really young. And I think it's the same with our businesses. 100%. Good habits are everything. And what gets so scary with taxes and accounting is that it's often well over a year into running things before you really figure out what you could have done better. And sometimes that comes in the form of a really big tax bill and it can mm. be almost crippling, especially if it's getting near two years of buildup and then trying to work your way out of that to get ahead. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. I love what you're doing. But take me back to when you first started online. What did that look like? What were those things that you were doing? Maybe not necessarily from an accounting perspective, but how were you getting yourself out there? It was so, so different. And I made so many mistakes along the way. Actually, I'm just starting to figure out what they were. But I had this perfectionism thing in my head and I had not tapped into online courses yet. I didn't really know that that was a thing. And I had thought about pre-recording videos, but I knew that it would be a lot of work. It is. Um, I, in my mind, I thought that I would be training groups in webinars. And Mm -hmm. I thought because she was in an MLM, I was thinking that might be a way to go because there's so much business nurturing going on for network marketers and anybody who's starting out trying to advertise online. There's a lot on social media, everything, but this numbers thing gets just totally shoved to the back. No one wants to talk about it. It doesn't feel good. It's not that exciting, although it can be. It's just you want to go out and start getting your products and your services out there and you want to start getting people on board and making sales that the numbers falls to the background. So I learned in starting my business how I could reach people better. So I have a blog now and I have been working on a Facebook community and different things of getting people more involved rather than perfecting something that I want to package to them. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that I'd be doing webinars and then I started seeing all these free webinars and I didn't understand how that was working. And so it's, it's transitioned a lot to where now I see the value and the potential in courses. And I figured out so much on the software side of how I can get information into people's hands. Yeah. And I love how you've been focused on having those conversations with people first, the people in your audience before really creating, um, spending the time creating something. I mean, that's a big portion of the 1K method is like, let's go ahead and talk to people and see what they want and then create exactly what they want and sell it yeah. to them. 100% yeah. 100% easier. But I did it backwards. I did have this whole big thing built and then I put it out there and crickets. So I was that case study of doing it all backwards. You want it to be perfect and you want people to see what's in your head. And for me, that comes with creating. So I don't know how to explain and verbalize. I wanted people to see a finished product. And then I realized I had a finished product, but then nobody was seeing it. So mm-hmm. I I took a step back and kind of started working backwards like I should have all along. Yeah, yeah. Getting um, really clear on that audience and then creating the offer for them. Totally. I know how to get it out to the world. Exactly. I was just having this conversation with somebody earlier today just about like working on the ideal client and niching down and attracting and repelling and how that's okay. Yeah, for sure. So you started off in the service, like the one-on-one type of thing, and then you transitioned into the courses? Yes. Um, although it really, I started in corporate. So I started right. as an employee. Yeah. So I started as an employee and then... But once you started your business, what was that first yes. offering? Well, that happened very organically because... I have a son who's about to be three in January and I've been out of corporate for about that long. And I had an interesting series of events that pushed me out of corporate or I probably never would have left. And so my first year or so home after I had my son was really focusing on him. It was not 
an entrepreneurial kind of thing going on in my head at all. But just from the connections that I had working at a CPA firm and with people knowing that I was an accountant, people that I knew who were starting businesses reached out and they needed some help. And so I just, I just said, yes, I was in a season of saying yes, but not pursuing clients and not working on educating because until I had the conversation with my sister about what she should do for her business. This was a conversation that I felt weird having with people asking them about how they were dealing with the number side of their business because I didn't want them to feel like I was selling them anything or being nosy because it it can be very personal. And once I started having the conversation though with her and other people, I realized people were very open to talking about it and happy to talk about it with somebody who could help guide them because they had questions. And like I said before, it's just this thing that's kind of in the back of their head looming over them, but not necessarily something they focus on every day. So when I approach the conversation, people are happy to talk about it. And, And that helped me realize the need for it really. Yeah. Yeah. You touched on something that I love to mention is that um, when you're getting started in the online space and making money online, sometimes it's the easiest way to making that first 1K or doing whatever it is, is grabbing that low hanging fruit. And for you, you had CPA experience. You had a lot of people in your world who knew that you were an accountant and you had a lot of people that needed your services, whether it was like your ideal client or your ideal package or your ideal rate, it didn't really matter. It got you kind of out the door and profitable. Um, And, you know, that way now you're able to pivot a little more smoothly into who you want to serve and how you want to serve them. Totally. I love listening to you and what you're working on. I follow your stories and I listen to the podcast and I even like dug back and listened to older ones because I found you relatively recently, but I love what you're doing because I want to see women do a lot more of this, a lot more of going after exactly what they want and making that happen. And like you mentioned, working with the people that you want to. So this is where I am right now. I actually just gave notice to my biggest client um, a few weeks ago. Yeah, I gave them notice and I'm going to be done in a couple of months with plenty of time to transition. But I realized I have big goals for next year and I asked myself where I was running into speed bumps. What was preventing me from reaching those goals and working better on what I was passionate about? And it was these clients that don't get me closer to where I want to be. So Mm -hmm. I took a big, scary step and said goodbye to them, but it feels good. (laughs) I'm still going back and forth with it because it's not done yet and it's scary to make a change, but I do believe in my heart, it's what I would tell anyone else to do. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And and I think... um when we make moves like that, the way I like to picture it in my mind is like this big rushing current, this big flow in one direction. And when you make moves like that, it's almost like you're stepping into that current and you can just ride on towards your next goal. But if you're out of that current or you're going the wrong way or whatever it is, like it's alignment, right? And I mean, now that you've made that decision, I think that a lot of other things are going to begin to open up for you. You're going to see how your dreams for 2019, how it all fits together. And I'm excited for what you're doing next. push harder because you have more to lose now. It's like, well, how how am I going to make that payment? What am I going to do to replace this income? Well, I'd better better hustle harder and I'd, I'd better start moving faster in that direction where I actually want to go. Where do you find yourself on like the risk um, levels? Are you risk averse or are you risk tolerant? Where do you find yourself? 
I would say that I'm probably by nature very risk averse, yeah. but I'm working uh, towards it because it's, it's just kind of like a mentality thing that I talk to myself about a lot because you well, get- Well, that's a huge thing. Yeah. That's a yeah. big risk and I'm, I'm excited for you. That's awesome. Well, it has been something that I've been thinking a lot about, so I don't make decisions that quickly, but it's something that it was there. I wanted to go in a different direction, but I didn't realize, I think it was when I stopped and asked myself exactly what is preventing me from getting where I want to go. And I realized they're not just not who I want to work with. They're preventing me from working with who I want to work with. So that was when that decision became clearer. Mm, I love it. I'm excited for you. So for the woman that's listening to this, maybe she's not as much of a fan of spreadsheet accounting as you and I are with both having accounting backgrounds, but, you know, tell me why she should be excited or be at least interested in working on that side of her business. Well, my thing is that I think for most women, this is a generalization, but I think most women have a fear surrounding this side of their business if it doesn't come naturally to them. And that's what I want to see them release. So my thing is in these small entrepreneurial endeavors that we're going into, it's not as complicated as it seems. It's not rocket science. There are a few things that you need to know and mostly a few good habits that you need to adapt that will help you realize that you are capable of understanding the number side of your business. You don't have to be a CPA and you don't have to even be a numbers geek to just get a handle on the number side of your business. So you know what you're bringing in, you know how taxes are going to work in your business, depending on how you're set up, you know, your limited choices for how to set up and which one makes sense for you so that you're keeping money in your pocket by either saving money in taxes or saving money in fees. And you know your risk. So this is a huge one for me is there's some people who are big risk takers, like you just asked me the question. There's some people who are big risk takers, so they deduct aggressively. And then there's others who I've spoken to, and this seems to be a lot of starting female entrepreneurs, if they don't understand how a deduction works, they simply don't take it because they're afraid that they're going to get in trouble. But that leaves money on the table. And so if- Sorry, I'm going to totally interrupt. Deduct aggressively for the person who has no idea what you mean. Like what, what does that mean? Like just deducting as many expenses as possible? Thank you for stopping me there. Stop me anytime (laughs) I say something that doesn't make sense. Starting to go into like financial lingo. I'm like, stop, stop. When I'm saying that, I mean, I mean people who are like, that sounds like that might be a business expense. So I, let's see, I'm just going to make up an example. We'll use my sister again, who started selling Rodan and Fields. She does it part-time on the side. So when I say deducting aggressively, I mean, now she wants to write off her entire car because she has a side business or she wants to say her phone is a 100% business deduction, those kind of things. There's people who will go that route and say, I have a bedroom in my house and I work from the, the bed watching TV. So now 
a quarter of my mortgage is a deduction. I actually watched a YouTube video of a Rodan and Fields consultant giving this advice. And he had no business talking about tax and accounting whatsoever, but he talked about all of the things that you could write off as a network marketer. And they were all based on a true story, but every single thing he said was wrong. And he was aggressive in what he was calling business deductions. And maybe he'll get away with it. He probably will because the people who are more aggressive by nature like that, the biggest risk takers seem to somehow get away with it. While the people who listen to his advice and think he knows what he's talking about might get themselves in an audit in that case. And if they get audited, then they start saying things like, I work from my bedroom sometimes. So I took a home office deduction. Well, without getting too into the rules here, that's not how that works. The home office deduction has to be a place that's used regularly and exclusively for business. So your bed doesn't count. And that's just one example of how that can be wrong. But that doesn't mean that you can't take a home office deduction. What I want people to do is understand these basic rules so that they know what they're allowed to take, and then they take what they're allowed to take within reason. Because I don't want people who say, oh, I heard Katie say that I may not qualify, so I don't want to take any part of my cell phone bill. You should take the part of your cell phone bill as a business deduction, which lowers your taxes, that is correct and reasonable. And if you know these rules, then you can save money and you can sleep better at night knowing that you're doing it correctly and that you're not going to have an IRS agent banging down the door. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So are you more interested in educating than actually doing the books for somebody? Yes. I want, yes. I, and the reason for that is twofold. One, because it's easier for me to send a broad message out to, to help people, but also because if you work one-on-one with somebody, the fees are a lot more. So Mm -hmm. what I want is for people to get this message and stop making mistakes that I see people make so that they don't find themselves in trouble, so that their business really succeeds. And so that they have that empowerment to know that this is not a part of their business where they're neglecting or failing at. This is a part of their business that is not as complicated as they once thought it was, that they can get their head around and really own so that there's nothing left on the table, that they're fully empowered to be an entrepreneur without anything like hiding under the bed. One time I talked about how when I was younger, my mom used to tell us to clean the room and depending on how I felt that day, sometimes I'd sweep it literally under my bed and hide it there. But I would know that it was there. And then one day I'd have to dig it all out from this huge mess and clean it up. And that's how I feel like a lot of people run their businesses when it comes to the number side of things. It's this area that they brush aside They know that they need to do better at, but it doesn't feel like the most important thing, but it keeps building. And I want everybody to kind of stop that in its tracks, work on good habits and clean up the mess that they had once made if they find themselves in that position. But the best time to get a handle on it is when you're starting, which is why your audience is so ideal because you're teaching people how to start their business. Yeah. So tell me about that. The person who has existing business, they've got the mess of accounting that they've not handled. 
tell me how they can get out of that and back to square one. And then also tell us how that beginning person can kind of begin as they mean to go. Okay. Let's start with the beginning person because it's so much easier that way. So I have, I have four tips to keeping it simple that I talk about a lot. And the first tip is just to separate the business and the personal funds. So I recommend that you do that with a separate bank account, but it doesn't have to be a separate business checking account. That's what I use. And I found the ways to keep it so that I don't have fees. But if you can't meet the balance requirements or anything, you could just open up another personal checking account, but use it exclusively for business. As long as you're keeping it in its own bucket, that is the best thing that you could do for keeping things simple. You put all of your income into that one account and you pay all of your expenses out of that. When I talk to people, because that seems so simple, but when I talk to people, one of the things that they get stuck on is if they're just investing now, if they haven't brought in money yet, then they need to pay for that from their personal money. But you can make it really simple by just transferring one lump sum from your personal to your business so that you're funding it there and then you spend your expenses out of there. That way, if you get a little behind and you don't keep up on bookkeeping monthly or anything, it's in one account. You haven't spent it out of cash and different credit cards and PayPal balances or anything like that. You've got all of your business expenses coming out of one checking account so that you just need to look at that statement and you know that you're not forgetting anything. That is the number one tip. My number two tip is to just keep a daily log of what you're doing. I like spreadsheets, so I have something that I log on my phone when I go somewhere for miles. It's a spreadsheet that I can access on Google Drive, so it could be that simple if you're paper averse like me. But if you're a person who likes notebooks and you take notes anyway, you can add it in your daily planner at the bottom. What you did for work that way, where you that day where you went and how far away it was. And then that's your mileage log. Come the end of the year, you add all of that up and you can take about 55 cents per mile as an auto deduction. And and I'll interrupt you and say that mile, I think it's called miles IQ. My husband uses that and it's a super cheap monthly subscription and it tracks everything for you. You just, whenever you somehow knows a trip and then you put in like if it's business personal or whatever it is. Yeah. There's a lot of different tools out there. And so you can find an app. I have this little starter kit and it includes that, but you can create your own spreadsheet. You can just keep a planner. However you're going to do it, just get in the habit of documenting it daily because I forget what I did the next day. I don't remember anymore. So by the end of the year, I'd have to either take a best guess or not take miles at all. And it really adds up. If you drive two miles for work, you get more than a dollar's worth of a deduction, which saves you a lot of money at the end of the year. Yeah. And the third thing that I want people to do is to keep the receipts, but it can be so simple. I love Dropbox. It's free. You can snap a photo of your receipt. If it's a paper receipt, you can save it. If it's an emailed one, I save them all in Dropbox. And I actually save everything in Dropbox. It's the best. But if you save your receipts at the time of purchase, that's a habit too. Just get in the habit of doing it as you're doing it. And then you won't have this shoebox full of receipts where the ink is gone. And the fourth thing is to just do bookkeeping. So 
one more interruption. Go ahead. Okay, so for these receipts, are you putting them all in one folder on Dropbox? I do, and my little tip for that is the way that I name the file. So when you when you take a picture of the receipt, I use the scan feature, which saves it as a PDF, which is really nice and clean. It doesn't store up your camera roll or anything like that. And then there's a little section that tells you how to name it. And it comes up with the date automatically in like the European way of doing it. So it'll say 2019 dash the month dash the day. Seven dash seven, yeah. So I save it like that with the date first and then I put where I made the purchase and the dollar amount right in the name. Got it. That way it's sorted by date and then who it was and the amount. So if I ever need a receipt, I don't even have to open it to find what it is. So I save a folder by year. Okay. So it makes total sense. Um, so you're only, you're tracking the receipts on purchase and the bookkeeping is all done. You're not having to worry about that. We just know that when you reconcile your book, all the receipts are already taken care of, right? Yeah. The receipts are really there just in case you ever get audited, in case you ever need the receipt. But I, I really mostly just focus on the bookkeeping side of it, which is my fourth tip, which sounds scary, but it's not. If you get something like QuickBooks or Zero, it can be as cheap as $10 a month or even lower under promotion and at the most $30 a month. And it can be really powerful to where if you keep that separate bank account, like is my number one tip, then you can link that bank account right to your accounting software. You don't have to key anything in. And then you're just putting a category and the bookkeeping software can create rules so that if you're going to Office Depot, it will always say that it's an office expense, those kind of things. And it gets really, really fast. And it's the best, most accurate way to keep track of everything. I love it. So have you found that QBO, QuickBooks Online, is very similar to Zero? Do you have a preference, one or the other? They're similar. They both have all of the, the major features, like I just mentioned, where it links your bank and you can create the rules. Those are the biggest things that I think you need for the average small business. What I like about Zero is I think that it's designed more for non-accountants. So when you get in there, it just makes a little bit more sense and it's a little bit less intimidating than QuickBooks, but the features are, are similar. One thing that I, I prefer about Zero also is that it doesn't make as many guesses. If it doesn't know, if you haven't told it before what a certain vendor is, it won't guess. You tell it what it is and then it'll remember where QuickBooks has a tendency to guess and the guesses may sound right, but they're not. Mm, that's good. So back to the receipts. Sorry, I have one more question. Digital, because a lot of what I buy, a lot of what most people buy, it's digital and they all come into my inbox. So how do you handle that? How do you get that from inbox to Dropbox? There, if, if you're on your computer, you can just print to PDF and save it to Dropbox. If you're on your iPhone, there's actually a way and I haven't done it yet, but I do have a five day challenge that's starting on Monday. And in there, I'm going to walk through these tips and how to actually implement them and what to do if you haven't been doing it yet. And I'm going to have some demos on the Dropbox stuff, but I'll tell you now when you're in on your iPhone, because I do everything on my phone pretty much. If you get a receipt, you can go to print it 
Hey, so quick little interruption. Go ahead and take a second right now and screenshot the show that you're listening to on your phone. Go ahead and tag us on Instagram stories at Katie Fleming and today's guest at Orderly Accounting by Katie. We cannot wait to hear the aha moments that you are having from today's episode. So definitely make sure to screenshot and tag us on your Instagram stories so that we can hear what you are loving about today's episode. I'm going to follow along. That way I'm actually doing it right. You can go to print the email. You just go down to that arrow at the bottom and print, and it'll show up with a preview of the page. You zoom in on that, and then there's an option on the top right where you can save to Dropbox. That's it. So you go print, zoom, tap on the top and save to Dropbox and it'll do the same thing. Save it as a PDF. So I recommend saving your electronic receipts and your paper receipts in the same folder. Just use that same way of naming it by the year, month, day, who you're purchasing and the dollar amount. And that way, when you look at it, it's sorted that way for you. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you've got some other method of organization, there's no like right method, just whatever you're going to consistently do. Um, For me, for me, it's, it's, um, it's Evernote because what I can do from email is forward directly to my specific Evernote email and it puts it into a specific folder. Um, And I've got, you know, all the 2017, 2018, whatever it is, receipts sitting in there and you can name them the same thing that she's talking about, the designation of naming where you got it. Uh, date and amount. I love it. And if you love folders, you can make a different folder by month. You could do it by category. However, it works for you totally. Always say that. I just try to give like broad examples of how easy it can be. So if somebody's starting their business and they're setting up the books, maybe they started that personal account, but now as they're getting their feet wet and they're figuring this out, they're ready to set up that business. Do you have any tips on going about that? Because that is definitely a process that feels complicated, but when you really get down to it, it's not that bad. Yes. So my, my biggest thing is always to to think positively about everything. And if you've been making mistakes, it's fine. Just start today doing things the way that you should have been doing it so that it's, it stops it in its tracks and then worry about what to do with the past. So if you've been dumping everything into your personal account with your business and your personal all together, you're going to have to do the nitty gritty painful work of printing out your statements. And this is the best, this is how I would do it. And I don't like paper. I would print my statements. I'd get a highlighter and I would highlight every business expense or income. And then I personally would use a spreadsheet, but If you hate that and you want to use paper, it works just as good. It takes a little longer, but you could write down all of your income, all of your expenses, and you're going to need to give it a category. So if it's phone, supplies, that kind of thing, and then add up the amounts. So when you do that practice, you'll see, oh, this is not fun. And if you continued to run your business like that, that would be something that you would do every year. And so now you can just cut it off, do it once, and then say, I never want to do that again. So I'm going to start keeping things separate, linking it to my bookkeeping software, and having things smooth sailing so that I never have to do this activity again. Yeah. So somebody's, let's just say somebody's listening to this episode right now, and they go out and they open their business account. They decide to begin now doing everything. What do they do about the past expenses that are in their personal account? How do you get those into the business books? The answer is 
ever so slightly technical, but you would need to just do what's called a journal entry in your accounting software. So if you were starting to do accounting software right now, you would take that list and you would come up with all of the income that you had outside of the bookkeeping and all of the expenses that you had outside of the bookkeeping. And you do a little, it's a journal entry that would, it's, it's not affecting any cash, but you would say this amount of income, this amount of expense with each category. And then the difference there is either investment from you or money you took out to pay yourself. So that, that's a little, I would, yeah, it takes a little, a little technical, bit yeah. more, it takes a little bit more explaining, but it's not that hard. It's something that you could be walked through for sure. Yeah. yeah. Cause I can, I can hear the questions now. Like people are probably thinking, well, that I, I just think they might continue down their path of continuing to not actually keep their books if that's in their head, you know? So the best thing if you join the challenge, I'll walk through all of this and I'll walk through the next step because I, I am coming out with a bookkeeping boot camp, is what I'm calling it, where it's really four weeks towards just understanding these basic concepts and then how to start your books, which is exactly what we're talking about now, when to start it, how to get it in your bookkeeping software correctly, because that journal entry is a one-time thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I can break out exactly how to do it so that you need to focus on making one journal entry. And then after that, it's just keeping everything in the business checking account and it'll pretty much run itself for income and expenses. So it sounds complicated, but it's not. Yeah, no, I, I feel like there's a lot of people that are listening to this, some relief from this. And I hope y'all that are listening get in on her challenge um, because I think it's going to help just demystify it all for you. Exactly. And that's a word that I, that I used, take the <laughs> mystery out of tax and accounting. And, and when I start talking like this, I don't want to lose people. I don't want them to say, oh, that's exactly why I ignore this because it, like I said, it's a one-time thing that it's just a step-by-step -step kind of a thing that can be done and cleaned up. Or because 2019 is right around the corner, the other thing is to just get it to the point where you're doing it now. You can always take a mess to an accountant. If you have a really big mess on your hands, take a mess to the accountant this year. If you want to make 2019 the year that you don't have a mess and you don't have to worry about what to do with it, then make the changes now so that when January 1st comes, you have that separate bank account and 2019 is as clean as it can get. Mm -hmm. I love it. So after we get our book situated and we're feeling good, QuickBooks knows what to expect. It's already like auto doing what it does. What are those recurring things we have to do on a monthly basis to kind of maintain it? Well, I go in and I do it monthly. Sometimes I even get a little bit behind and I'll do two, three is about as far as I go because I want to know what I'm making. So that's one of the things where you said, how do we get excited? Well, it's good to know what you're actually profiting and what you brought in. And then you can do your goals based on that. Like somebody mentioned to me that they don't like looking at their numbers because they're afraid of seeing how much they've spent because they're investing in their business right now. And I thought that was an interesting thing for someone to say, because for me, it, it's not necessarily how I operate, but I do understand how somebody could feel that way. And I relate because I kind of treat my online 
business a little bit separately, even though it's in one spot, I did break it out to see how much I've spent, how much I've invested into that so far this year. Just recently, I had it all lumped together. I said, I want to, I want to see it. When and you say break it out, are you talking different chart of accounts for online no, versus? No, I, I just, I just made a different. So a lot of what I'm spending is software and education and things like that. Um, even advertising. So I just broke it out and added a different category. So I, I said online biz yeah, okay. software, online biz, this, because I have some software that I would have had anyway, but then I, I got new software. So I broke it out just to see what I spent in this online section mm-hmm. and it, it didn't feel very good. I was like, oh, <laughs> that was a little bit more than I thought it was going to be, but it motivated me to say, I'd better start making some of that money back. I'd better start proving to myself that this was worth it. And it, it helped me push forward to try to turn a profit on that side of things so that I'm not just burning money. So, and, and if you are burning money right now, that's totally normal. It takes a lot to start a business. And I've been recently comparing that to going to school for four years. And some of us have done both. But when we went to school for four years and we were paying, paying, paying out for tuition and putting in a lot of time, we knew that it was investment in our future. And I don't think any of us are ever going to get to the amount that we spent or that people spend on college educations towards our online careers that have potential to turn around very quickly and pay themselves off. That's a good point. That is such a good point. I mean, especially with the whole accounting, did you have to do the fifth year thing? Uh, no, but I did end up going back and getting a master's, which was yeah. um, another 30 credits. Took me a couple of years. Yeah. So that's a good, good point. Yeah. Um, it's going to take an investment. I think a lot of people come into this online world thinking it won't. It does, but it's just not near as much as it would be if you were starting a brick and mortar or even going to college. Right. Yeah. And when we go to college, I know we're younger and I know some of that's changing too, but you go to college and society isn't like, why are you spending all this time and money investing in your future? Mm -hmm. What if it doesn't work out? And so many times it doesn't work out, even going to college and then you're paying that off plus interest. And if you're, this is a totally separate rant now, (laughs) I'm on on a different rant here, but if you're investing into your online business and the investment is so low to what to compared to college and to what your potential could be with it. But where, where I was going with it is I saw what I had invested and I said, okay, now let's start, let's start making some big goals to get that to where my income exceeds what I put into it. So good. You know, I think we're, we're very hesitant to start tracking these things, but when we do, I think when we see the numbers fully, it puts our feet to the fire a little bit more and also gives us a little bit more of like a push to, I'm going to make this happen. Like you said, you wanted to see the difference between your online business expenses and, and the income rolling in. So I just love what you're advocating for and that you're encouraging women to get a handle on these things. So Let's dive in. Unless you have any more quick tips for us, tools, or any ideas that you want to share around accounting, are you ready to dive into those last questions? Well, I did. I did want to talk just a little bit more about the treating your business like a business, okay. like how what we had just 
said there about investing into your business and the whole side hustle thing. Like I, I am huge. If you follow me on anything, you'll see almost to the point of exhaustion, me saying, treat your business like a business, not a hobby, not a side hustle. And, And I'm guilty of making these mistakes too. But when I talk to people, I I ask them questions and they say, oh, well, you know, I'm just, I can't afford that right now because I'm just going to see where this goes. Mm -hmm. And you only get out of things what you put into it. And if you just see where things go, you're not giving yourself, (laughs) right. You gotta, you gotta make a plan. You've got to invest. And sometimes it means investing in accounting software. Sometimes it means getting the paid version of something because your time is worth the cost. Sometimes it means charging your customers through PayPal and paying the 3% instead of using Venmo because Venmo gets so messy. And it just means putting a little bit of money into it because you have to give your business respect and treat it like a business and rise up to the fact that you are a small business owner and you don't want to see where it goes. You want to decide where you want it to go and take it there. Oh yeah. Oh, decide where you want to go and take it there. That is so good. And I, I, I was thinking about it with motherhood too. Like, can we honestly say that anyone is ever prepared for the kind of challenges that motherhood brings? Like you can't see where that one goes. You get thrown into this, they hand you a baby and you're like, okay, now what? And every day you do the best that you can with the goal in mind of keeping this baby alive and turning it into a decent human being. And those are the things that make you do unthinkable things that you would never do for anything else in your life. And it's like that. We are so strong already. We've overcome the craziest thing. And if we put a fraction of the passion towards that into our business, it's limitless. So we you rhymed. I got excited that. with that. A what did I say? Passion. <laughs> it doesn't fully rhyme, but it sounded cool. <laughs> you're right. And it's this whole concept of ROI, return on investment. When you're a side hustle mentality thing, you're not thinking about that. You're not thinking, okay, I spent $500 to start this hair care business. Like, how do I, how do I, what's the, you know, you're not necessarily in that, that mindset, but if you are fully committed to being a small business owner and you're looking at this new internet um, software or QuickBooks or whatever it is, you're, you're not thinking about the 12 bucks a month. You're thinking, how can I make enough money to recover and make more? Right. Right. Yeah. That's so good. So good. Well, are you ready to dive into those last four questions? Let's do it. All right. So the first one is what is one mom or business owner hack to help others manage motherhood and business? Well, delegate, (laughs) ask for help, figure out what you're not good at and ask for help. The biggest thing that helped me shift was when I got my babysitter and it was small, you know, two days a week, four hours a day. It makes a massive difference. I got a cleaning lady because I couldn't juggle everything anymore. And she comes twice a month and it makes my life so much easier. It probably does better than we would do anyway, right? (laughs) Oh yes. The things she can get done in two hours because nobody is hanging off of her. Um, ask for help. I, if I need to sleep in a little bit more, ask my husband to help me out. You've got to ask for help to try to do it all. That's so good. I love it. Well, if you could do this all over again, what would you tell yourself or what would you start with in business? I would probably 
tell myself that I am capable and confident and I have information that can help people. Mm, That's good. Do you think you discounted your own knowledge in the beginning because it was just common to you? I think I still do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so normal. And it's until we have, I had a client recently who we went through the whole process of defining her expertise and she wanted to do something different until I was like, Hey, you remember that thing you told me in the DMS on Instagram? Like that's what you need to do. And she was like, really? I can make that a business. I'm like, yeah, girl, like that was cool. So it's like having somebody else kind of come on you and be like, no, that's really pretty cool. Yeah. And, and it's a female thing. I have a whole rant that I did about this one day where we want to give everything away. We want to help. And we have this thing where we just want to discount, discount, discount. And that's one of the reasons why we keep costs low on our business so that we can keep giving stuff away. But if we all would just charge what we're worth, then we'd all be able to afford to support each other's stuff. And we wouldn't need so much to give handouts. But yeah, I think I think I always feel like people are very price sensitive, but when I see someone offering something that I can't do or need help on, I'm always willing to invest. So I try to, I try to remember that side of things too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think the whole charging thing is an interesting conversation and it's totally a different episode, <laughs> but you know, charging what you're worth versus charging what the product is worth. But even like beyond that, structuring your business in a way that you can um, make what you need to make, but also be able to show up in the best way possible. And that's business model and that's structure. And that's one totally things ever. <laughs> so what is your favorite app system or software that you'd recommend right now? Well, I love Dropbox. I, I love it for everything. I don't store anything on my hard drive anymore. And I do like to work on some things on my computer, but then I like to be able to review it on my phone. So I love using Dropbox for, for those reasons. Yeah. And, and the fact that I can share with other people and ask for information. It's a great tool. Yeah. I was just talking about this with somebody today, actually. She was like, I've had trouble with Google Drive, but I've never had a problem with Dropbox in all the years she's been with them. She's an accountant as well. (laughs) So what is the best book you've read or listened to? And what are you looking forward to reading soon? So when I first started out on this, one of my friends recommended Go For No. And it was a quick read. It was about sales, but it it was an interesting mentality of counting the numbers of no's you got and not the amount of yeses so that if everyone was saying yes, you needed to ask for more. And that was a good quick read. And I have heard to read the 12 week year. And have you read that? No, but it's that time of year again where everybody starts talking about that book. I've heard it's life changing. So I heard it's a much better read than listen. So I I get that. Yeah, it's it's better to read them too than the Audible. I've heard the Audible is not. I thought you said then the book listen. I'm like, I've never heard of that. No, no, no. (laughs) Yeah, there are some books where I have them on Audible and I I wish that like I had the physical copy because it's just too, I need to see the diagrams. I need to see these words. Yeah. I'm going to mention it again. This is another podcast where I'm like, hey, Audible, if you're listening, let's work on some little combo deal for book and Audible version. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So, well, it has been incredible to have you on. Why don't you tell everybody where they can connect with you? 
So you can find me on Instagram, which is where I'm usually promoting the, the most recent thing. So right now you'll find the challenge there and that's at orderly accounting by Katie. I also have a Facebook group, which is tax talk for ambitious female entrepreneurs. And that has more value, I think, than the Instagram. The Instagram will keep you current. And in the Facebook community, I actually share videos and tips and kind of communicate back and forth. And my website is www.katiefarrow.com. And that's where you can find any blog posts, which I always try to make really relevant and helpful and whatever is going on. I offer free trainings from time to time and I have the challenge coming up. Yeah. And she spells Katie the right way. So you'll be able to find it. <laughs> I, was, I ordered coffee this morning. I worked out of a coffee shop and the guy asked me how I spelt my name. I told him and he goes, okay, that's normal. I had somebody came, that came in and uh, she spelled it K-A-D-Y. And I was like, it's Katty. I no. get it so many different ways. And Caitlin is my real name and that's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> but what was so funny, this guy was ta- telling me this story and he's like, yeah, it's really weird. And a girl from behind me sitting at a table working. She goes, that was me. <laughs> and he's like, what? And it like totally caught him off guard. And was she it was just hilarious. No, it was really her. Like she <laughs> must have been a local to that Starbucks. I went to a new oh, one. Man. So it was pretty funny. I was like, what timing? That's hilarious. That is funny. <laughs> I just made fun of your name. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me think of Mean Girls because don't they talk about Caddy? Like they call her Caddy or something. Yeah. I need to watch that movie. I, and down in South Florida, it's Kati, it's it's oh yeah you got all the yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) texas they always wanted to spell it k-a-t-y when we lived there because there's a city that spells it that way yeah i get a lot of that i'm like that's fine whatever works just say it right yeah yeah well we just talked for two minutes about how to spell katie (laughs) you're welcome Okay. So guys go connect with Katie, go get in on her Facebook group. I know there is tons of value that you're going to find in that. And I just encourage you to really dive into this world with her because finances, accounting, this whole process does not have to be complicated. And I promise you that once you get a handle on this, it's going to just, it's almost like a step up, right? To just being empowered, right? In your business. And I love what you're doing. Confidence and clarity. That is what it's all about. If you haven't already, make sure you grab your free seat to my workshop all about how to make your first 1K online without sacrificing your family life. You can start a business and make money online, but let me tell you, there is a specific pathway, and that is the 1K method. In this free class, I'm going to walk you through what that is, what that looks like, and the mistakes you can avoid in your journey to 1K and beyond. Grab your seat at 1kmom.com forward slash free.